Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Tom and tonight I am here with a show and tell episode where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is a writer, game designer, and Keith, I'm going to start calling you Headmaster Keith, uh, which we'll get into soon. But we have Keith Kappel and the cool thing that we're going to be talking about is the Adventure Writing Academy, which is Keith's um, really cool project um, that he's worked with several others. I'm really excited to talk about this because it's something that's it's it's something I don't think a lot of our listeners have actually experienced before. So it's gonna be it's really neat. So Keith, go ahead, give us tell us. I mean, who are you in this wonderful, weird tabletop RPG world that we find ourselves in? Oh man, uh, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, but uh, so I am Keith Ryan Kappel. I've been working in the industry as a freelance writer since uh, about, uh, well, gee, it's been six years, almost to the day, I would say. It's been about six years. I started back in January 2013, uh, working for Fantasy Flight Games uh, on their Star Wars line. So I've worked on, it's something like 20 some odd books for them in the intervening six years. Uh, uh, so that's been a lot of fun and, uh, mostly on their star Wars line, but a little bit on Genesis and, uh, legend of the five rings now, which I understand you're, uh, yes. uh a burgeoning fan of, uh, L5R. I really want to talk about that because I am a absolute newbie to L5R and we have, um, obviously in our podcast network, we have a shadow of the cabal podcast, which is a legends of the five rings actual play podcast. So there's a lot of. L5R nerds, we'll just <laughs> call them what they are in, in my circle. So it's going to definitely be interesting. They even, man, I threw it out there to them on the Discord and they sent me some. I got a, a good question for you later on. I'm excited to hear it. Uh, I'm kind of new to it too. I've only worked on uh, a handful of things, uh, many of which are not, you know, out there in the public form yet. But uh, uh, it's exciting. It's something very different from Star Wars. So I, I'm happy to sort of stretch and flex and, and see what else I could do uh, over at FFG. Um, and then the other thing I do, as you mentioned, is uh, um, I run the Adventure Writing Academy, which is uh, uh, a school, an online writing school. We use Skype where you can learn, uh, you can basically take what amounts to a college level writing course. And we're very nerd friendly because I'm running it and I'm a nerd. And uh, um, also we do a lot about the unique forms for writing in RPGs. So if you wanted to take my job, this is a real uh, uh, fun way to learn how to do that. That is uh, that is a good way. No, actually, that's a bad way to look at it. But uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to uh, talk. And you reached out to us and said, hey, we have this Adventure Writing Academy. Um, what do you guys think? And I got to tell you, I was absolutely intrigued. I was telling my wife a little bit about it, and she's like, hey, that's something that you may be interested in in the future. I was like, maybe, who knows? So you kind of explained a little bit about it, but I, I come on, go ahead and tell us, uh, give us a little bit more. Um, so what is the Adventure Writing Academy, and as far as how did it start? What was the, what planted the seed in your head that said, hey, I need to start a school to teach people how to write RPGs and genre fiction. Sure. So there's like, there's really uh, um, two things that were the impetus for uh, AWA. And, and one of them was, uh, um, as I've been doing this for a while, and, and part of it is sort of branding and marketing yourself uh, and positioning yourself so that fans know that you worked on the products and this is what you bring to the table and they request you for other things. It leads to more work appearances and all that stuff. So as I'm doing this, you get a lot of people who always ask you, well, like, how did you break into the industry? How can I break into the industry? What advice would you have? And uh, um, other than telling people like, well, you can teach yourself to write because anyone can write, but if you're going to learn to do it at a professional level and teach yourself, it could take a long time. Um, It takes a lot of people like a decade to get to the point where, from writing their five paragraph high school sort of essay paper to like, Oh, you're, you totally know what this is all about and you can do it professionally. Uh, or you could, you know, go six figures in debt and go to one of the wonderful college writing programs out there, which is um, what I did. I went to Columbia college, Chicago, and uh, that's a great way to, to learn the same stuff, but a lot faster. 
Um, unfortunately, there's like there was no middle ground of like here's here's a great program where just sign up for this. There's a reasonable price, and you're gonna learn you're gonna learn those skills that are a bit more focused on what you're trying to do. So we're like the the middle ground vocational school for uh, blue collar uh, writing in the freelance uh, market that's out there today. So so that was a big part of it. And then uh, um, when I was younger, growing up, uh, now as well, I'm a big comic book nerd and the uh, a school for creating comic books. That that's all it teaches is uh, comic book artwork and comic book writing. And uh, it was like this little tiny school out in New Jersey. It was uh, the biggest thing. But I always thought, oh, man, how cool. I would love to go to that school because they're only teaching the nerdy, cool thing that I would want to learn. And there was nothing like that for RPGs. So uh, uh, one day I looked around and said, like, there really is nothing like this and there should be. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of friends that I went to writing school with that are amazing writers and also went on to, to have careers in education. So uh, I partnered up with uh, Maggie Ritchie, who's my main partner in the school, and she's also uh, our primary teacher. We have a couple other teachers as well. And together, me and her created this this curriculum and uh, found you know a reasonable price point people could sign up at. And all it is is you show up. Uh, we do 10 classes. That's the whole course. We meet once a month. Each class is like four hours long. And uh, um, we do a writing workshop uh, that's similar in, in the way it's constructed to what I went through at Columbia College yeah. Chicago. We use what's called the story um, workshop method, which it's uh, in person. It's a lot of people sitting in like a semicircle. It's very like hippy dippy kumbaya holding hands sort of stuff. Um, we do a lot of like weird verbal like word game exercises and stuff like that. And normally I wouldn't endorse anything like that that's very counter to like my personality but i know for a fact that this stuff works because uh, um it's transitioned me into professional career so quickly i mean i can appreciate i mean that was a, that's a lot to unpack and trust me we are going to unpack it but i can really <laughs> appreciate something that you said was that it's the basically you're creating the blue collar school for for writers you're sounds like you're getting rid of a lot of stuff that is beneficial but maybe not as focused as what you're offering. So one of the things that, and you also mentioned this, there are a lot of people out there um, who play RPGs, amateur writers, creating homebrew. And at the end of the day, most game masters, they're a little bit of a writer themselves just because these worlds that they're coming up with. But I know a lot of them want to take it to the next level. So what I, so who is the AWA intended for? Is it intended for these game masters who want to elevate their game? Or is it intended for people who are trying to break into the industry? Or is that a mixture of both? Who are you Who are you targeting with the AWA? It's definitely a mixture of both those groups, as well as people who are interested in writing genre fiction. Okay. I think when you, when you break down what an RPG, a tabletop RPG is to like its most basic level, I always describe it as a, a, a collaborative improvisational storytelling game. That's, yep. that's what it is. And I feel like uh, one way to get better at playing or running these games is to get better at storytelling skills. And, and that's something that uh, Story Workshop does really well. The curriculum's really built around uh, um, tying together this idea of if you could tell a joke, if you could tell a good story, like orally, then you can also write a good story because they use a lot of the same skills. And I feel like that gets lost tragically in a lot of high school and college programs where they seem like this, these very other sorts of things, these very different uh, sets of skills that you need to have. That's interesting. You say that. So you say that you can take your oral skills and then translate those over to written skills then. And that's one of the things that you guys can do. That's one of the things, that's one of the, the, the major concepts that Story Workshop Method is built okay. around. At, at Columbia College Chicago, where the program originated, it's very successful. It's won a lot of national awards for short story contests of student work and stuff like that. So it, it's a time-tested uh, sort of program. And, and this works because uh, all storytelling, all mankind storytelling, like stems from the oral tradition of telling stories around the campfire, Right. It was only much more recently that we decided to start uh, writing them down on either cave walls or parchment or whatever else. So it, uh, there are a lot of connections uh, between the two okay. forms. And a lot of people um, just miss out on them because this idea is never really addressed. 
and a lot of academic places that teach writing. So Story Workshop Method, we talk a lot about it. We do a lot of reading out loud in the program to sort of just connect those neurons together. Uh, Maggie's a lot stronger at the the pedagogical sort of angle at this at explaining like why that works in our brains and all that teacher stuff that she does. But uh, uh, I just know it works because it worked really well for me. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, that's really cool. I mean, one of the things that is very telling stories is it's like you said, it's, it's what we do when we're at a tabletop, um, we're playing games with our friends. So being able to convert that skill that for the most part that we have over to these written skills is uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's really, um, I'd never heard of the this story workshop method until I started looking through your guys' looking through your guys' site. Um, where did how how long have, has this been around? So um, it originally began uh, with this book here, which I have, "Writing from Start to Finish" by John Schultz, and and John Schultz and Betty Shiflet kind of co-developed this at Columbia College Chicago uh, back in like I want to say the seventies. Okay when the writing program over there really started taking off. And uh, um, yeah, so it's been around about that long. That school has like a 30, 40 year history after that of just destroying Iowa, which is a big writing school and uh, Columbia University, no affiliation Mm -hmm. um, and all these other like big writing programs, just uh, uh, either hanging with them or flat out uh, beating them at uh, an annual student anthology fiction contest that's held every year. At Columbia University, so yeah, that a couple couple people from you know Chicagoland area can just uh, do their own thing. They clearly knew some yeah. secrets of the cosmos that that no one else knew at the time. Most of those other schools focus on what's called the the trade and grade method, where you know you break up. You've done this in school before, I'm sure, where you write a thing, you break up into small groups, everybody reads everybody's thing, and puts red pen stuff all over the place and uh, uh, eventually a teacher looks at it or whatever. And maybe they put a red pen all over it too. Um, so the story workshop method kind of comes from a polar opposite angle. Yes. Where where we're more focused on uh, positive reinforcement than negative. So um, we're going to spend a lot more time telling you what you're doing right as opposed to showing you where to cut away what's bad and hope that's what's left is good, uh, which, is, which is nice for a lot of people's just uh, – uh, their ego and their their ability to keep going. This is one of those th- things where you have to persevere through being told often that you're terrible at what you're doing. There is nothing scarier than a red pen. <laughs> right. Well, there's there's no there are no red pens at a um in in a story workshop program really unless you specifically ask for them. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody's going to be asking for those. But one of the things that you said, I think it's interesting that you don't really think of, and I'm saying this coming from a I have a technical background, the and not the creative arts like you. The um, but the whole idea that something like writing it advanced like technology, and that sounds like it's something you don't necessarily put together all the time. But things like writing and telling stories, and that's continuing to advance. And it sounds like you guys are kind of um, using these new methods, which is very interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, it's hard to argue with success. We had, uh, uh, I think, 12 students last year okay. through the program. Uh, two of them are already freelancing at Fantasy Flight Games, uh, getting work. And we have several other that are in various stages of submitting and querying and all this other stuff. So now, granted, those are my students who have been trying to get there for a long mm-hmm. time. And, and in a lot of cases, I think we just pushed them over the final hump. Yep. Um, uh, and these are students who have already been GMing for decades and, uh, uh, have been trying to break in as a professional writer in the game industry for a long time, have made their own networking and contacts, but our program, you know, helps them with some of the craft for sure. Like that's our main thing is we're going to get you better at writing craft. We, we help you with, uh, the process of seeking work. Okay. I understand what it's like to find these open calls and, what you need to go through to submit to them and get an opportunity to get, to get a job. You know what I mean? And then we also bring in like all these guests, people I've networked with in the industry. Um, we have a guest student every class too. And so that'll be uh, a professional from the field that has been working as an editor a writer or uh, you know, something that's really uh, tied into the RPG world. And they'll audit the class with you just as a fellow student. They'll participate as a fellow student. 
And uh, um, so you'll kind of get to see, measure yourself, I guess, against what they're generating in class. Who are some of these, who are some of these um, industry folks that you are bringing in? I know you kind of, you kind of told me a few of them and they're on your site, but um, go ahead and tell the audience who you, I mean, these are some big names. So Katrina Ostrander, who uh, uh, was one of the main developers over at FFG for a while and then went on to become, she's one of the main uh, story team people for Legend of the Five Rings now yes. over at FFG. Um, and she's the fiction editor over there still too, I believe. So she's been a guest student. Um, we've had Eric Cagle, who's well known to a lot of D20 folks as uh, being a Wizards of the Coast dev. Um, you know, they're, they're Jason Marker, Tim Cox, those guys are longtime freelancers and developers over at uh, Fantasy Flight Games and you know, people from all other walks of life too. We also had uh, our final course is uh, Steps Outside of the sort of story workshop method and it's a lecture uh, by Jay Little, who of course designed the uh, Edge of the Empire Star Wars RPG. Uh, he designed the X-Wing miniatures game. Um, and of course, he's done like a hundred other things as well. So he comes in and does a, a seminar on game design and just how the RPG production pipeline sort of works. Okay. Uh, so you could see what a small part the freelance writers actually play in this grander scheme of what gets a book from idea to a store shelf. So Okay, so this is one other thing I wanted to talk about. So you're, you do a lot of freelance work. And I you do. talk about one of the goals of the AWA is to where you can be a writer of your own original creative content, or you teach them to write in these already predefined settings like you've done some work with, such as like you've said, Star Wars and the Legends of the Five Rings. So first question, how do you teach someone that skill? So how do you work within a predefined setting and still kind of maintain your creative edge is and i want to say so this question it it originated from one of our one of our l5r fans and this is the specific question so we're going to hit you with this as the frame framing device for it okay sure so in the old l5r all right city of the rich frog was a bit different than the new canon. And I'm bringing this up because I think you worked on City of the Rich Frog for the new stuff. I specifically wrote that part. So if they're angry, I have to apologize. Okay, that's right. Um, we're going to get all sorts of comments now. All right, so all right, old L5R, City of the Rich Frog. It was different than the, it was different than the new canon, the stuff that you wrote. All right. Unquestionably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so were there, what were the constraints on how different it could be? And how much how much creative freedom did Fantasy Flight give you when you were creating the City of the Rich Frog? Sure. So uh, um, I'm not going to say they just didn't know when I snuck it in there. Okay. There was definitely some conversations. I'm also going to say I didn't. And the, oh, they're going to crucify me over this, okay. but I, don't I say didn't necessarily. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't necessarily spend, you know, twelve hours researching the old City of the Rich Frog either. So. Um, just to throw those wonderful sound bites out to begin with. Okay. But so my background, I, uh, um, I actually come from, uh, I, I served in the military for four years, United States military. I was an intelligence analyst. Well, thanks for your service. Oh, sure. But, uh, uh, so I was like Jack Ryan without all the stuff he's not supposed to be doing, like running around whenever they show him in the office, like looking at spreadsheets, like I did something more like that. So part of that is writing reports and making, guesses and, and looking at maps and looking at imagery and trying to figure out a puzzle about what's going on in the world. So one of the skills that I brought with me to my RPG writing career from uh, my intelligence background and military service is the ability to look at a map and understand uh, what's important and and what it might mean to like an economy or a military or something like that. Uh, and immediately, um, so my job in the Legends of the Five Rings book that just came out, uh, Emerald Empire, my my task was to uh, discuss harbors, port towns, river towns, or river ports, stuff like that, which they gave me, I guess, because I was in the Navy. I'm not sure. Or it was just <laughs> what, what it was. was. Like. like, you've you've been on a boat? Here, write this. That's what my job was. So uh, um, I looked at the map and immediately said, well here's a spot where two rivers join and then flow out to the, the sea. 
this would be a major, it's also like on the border of like three different clans. So there's like unicorns right there, lions right there, and dragon slash dragonfly right there. So my thought process was this has to be a major trade town. It would have to be. It's at the junction of not only all these clans, but the, this river, which is a major economic highway. Anyway, because you could just float stuff down from the mountains of the unicorn or uh, the, the rice paddies of the dragon and dragonfly. And, you know, that whole area, all that stuff has to get out to sea for, for shipping reasons. So, uh, and, and just down the river as well. So I looked at it and said, this should be a way bigger thing than it is. I wanted to just do it straight up how it was. Uh, and I was kind of looking at the old wikis and stuff and I was like, they didn't make it, they made it kind of a small place in, I guess, the older canon. It wasn't as big a deal as on the map. It immediately looks like it should be. Um, so there was a little bit of back and forth and, and because fifth edition is kind of changing a number of things about, uh, events and history and Rokugan and stuff like that, there, there's kind of this freedom to, to change some things that might be, or might've been a little weird or, or wonky in the older versions. And so basically I needed a big trade city there to write about for this book. That was the location that kind of worked and other locations would not have that were on the existing map. I, I, they, they said, sure, go for it. They, I think they trust me over there a little bit at this point. Yeah. You've written just cause I've, yeah, just cause I've worked on so many books. So, uh, you know, they, they gave me the go ahead to, to give it a shot. And, uh, uh, they seem to enjoy it. I mean, uh, the other city I wrote about was uh, um, the, the Mantis City, Gotai City, in the Islands of Spice and Silk. And there there was a map for that in like the old fourth edition. There's like an atlas. And you look at the map and it's just kind of like one palace, one dojo. It, it's a very small area. And, and we kind of needed it to be this 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 larger harbor and city. It, it needs to be able to hold more than two or three ships or whatever that, that map kind of showed. So um, there were, there were some changes made there as well, just to kind of expand things and open them up and uh, give it a little bit more of a real world flavor. Uh, obviously the people who wrote on the previous editions are amazing at what they do. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, uh, the AEG folks came in to, to write on the, the L5R core book and uh, Emerald Empire as well. So people who are longtime fans of the setting should, should see some familiar author names. Gotcha. And I'm so sorry if I screwed up your favorite city because I because I did it different. Hey, like that wasn't my intention. But it's not my favorite city. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one yet. But I'm gonna let Ryan know that there you go. The new um, city of Rich Frog was created with real world naval intelligence. You know, so yeah, you know, so there you go. For sure. No, but uh, like I'm a Star Wars fan, so I totally understand the feeling of like cannon shifting and changing under your feet and uh uh you know they they uh i had i don't know like six bookshelves full of old expanded universe star wars books like i was like the star wars oh, lore man. expert i don't know if you can kind of see in my camera i've got all of my this is half of my bookshelf behind me is just full of expanded universe books <laughs> that don't even matter anymore it doesn't and it doesn't even matter anymore uh so i know i know your pain i'm sorry yeah. if i contributed or hurt you the way i've been hurt nope. but uh uh you know, sometimes that's just the business. They need to update and change some things around. So on a similar line, then, talking about Star Wars, uh, with the Fantasy Flight games, because it's not necessary, it's not canon, um, correct? I don't want to say. Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, the, I know that we have to follow canon. Yes. I know that uh, everything we do gets approved by Lucasfilm. Okay. Story Group looks at every single product we do. I was going to ask that. Um, yeah. In fact, if you look in the books, uh, they'll have... Uh, a story group representative that signs off okay. on everything. Leland Chi's name, I think, is in all the books. And uh, um, Frank Parisi is the specific uh, guy over at LFL, I think it is, that, uh, that you know, reads painstakingly all of our drafts and uh, uh, gives them an okay. That said, like, there's no real constraints that I seem to get when I'm writing something. So um, I have a tendency to work in a lot of, like, little EU references into everything I do. Uh, in fact, my third product I ever wrote for them was the Age of Rebellion GM kit, and there's an adventure. And I built a, a hidden scavenger hunt of EU lore into the adventure, like as a meta sort of thing. Uh, and on the forums, we had this big, I had three questions. You had to answer them 
they were all sort of hidden and buried away in the in oh, the product. Funny. Whoever won got like a free book for me or something like that. Yeah, so like I love the EU still, and uh, um, I love places where it's appropriate to do stuff like that. You know, I'll do it, and I mean, maybe sometimes it gets taken out of the final draft, but uh, uh, for the most part, they just leave it in. I, I feel like the the rule of thumb is like if you want to reference a place or a species or like a technology. That's usually going to be fine, like just because there hasn't been a canon introduction of the, you know, I don't know, the, the Gatrox 720 freighter or something like that doesn't mean it can't exist. And you're not really going to screw up lore by reintroducing the 720. So that kind of stuff seems to be fine. Uh, the stuff that you want to stay away from trying to reference are specific events and specific characters from the EU, right? Like you can. I don't think I, I can get away with you. the corn horn reference. <laughs> Slip it in there. <laughs> but but uh you could totally get away with like an Abrogado Ray or like some obscure EU planet. Like you could slip that in there and nobody cares. In fact in friends like these we had like uh some really old EU references. We had like the yeah. planet Kowak for where the Kowakian monkey lizards come from. Like we we had some goofy stuff in there. I think we yeah. reference the Lassian slavers, which are from like West End games, referenced like twice maybe. So along those lines, we don't want to share. We don't want to share all the secrets that the Adventure Writing Academy has. But how do you? What kind of tips do you give somebody to write in a universe like Star Wars or Rokugan? So um, I think there's there's two things that we can kind of offer. The first one is a major part of what we do at AWA, and that's help writers find. Uh, their own unique voice. We talk a lot about voice, which is an, an oral communication word, right? Even though we're talking about the written word. And, and voice is that one thing that lets you know uh, right from the jump when you're watching like a Quentin Tarantino movie versus like a Spielberg movie, that thing that you could just tell right away. It's the same on the page with authors. Like you, you can tell an Elnor uh, Leonard novel from a Stephen King novel from a J.K. Rowling novel. If you read a few pages, you kind of, you just, you, you know, you recognize that author's sort of style, right? So we teach voice. And part of the advantage of finding your own voice is that it's very easy, once you know it, to learn how to mimic other voices, to parody other voices. And part of writing in RPGs, one of the things you have to learn how to do is write in that house voice, the house style, as it were. Um, if you read an RPG book, any RPG book in the world, I promise you the odds are there were like six folks who worked on it to write it. When I talk about these 20 some odd books I wrote, I didn't write the whole thing cover to cover. I wrote a section. And uh, uh, if I'm doing my job correctly, and so are the other authors, you can't really tell where my part ends and another person's begins because it all sounds the same. Uh, so th that's one of these skills. And, and we, we lump it in... Uh, Story workshop method, we lump it all under voice is what we call it. That's the topic. Uh, part of what we do is we build this writing vocabulary so that we can have discussions about writing and we're all sort of using the same words to mean the same things, right? So uh, voice is one of the big tools we'll give you to help you work on one of these products in these different universes and sort of uh, um, be able to make your writing sound like everybody else's. So that's that's one part of it, right? Uh, the other part of it is, is more of a... Um, a research background. And that's something I naturally have. So I'm personally not great at teaching it because it's, it's something that I didn't necessarily learn from a class in the Navy. It's, it's just uh, something about how my brain works, where I'm really good at distilling information down to what's really important and making new connections about it and, and getting them on the page. But certainly we'll, we discuss a lot of uh, 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 writing for licensed IPs. Um, you're welcome. If you'd like to, uh, for in-class assignments, right? We had a lot of people write a lot of Star Wars fan fiction last year is uh, for a lot of their assignments. Um, and that's totally valid and totally fine. Like when we, when we give you an assignment in class to write for something, we don't, the content of it doesn't usually matter so much as far as like if you're writing an L5R story or a Star Wars game module, you could still apply whatever that lesson is, no matter what sort of trappings you set it in, I guess. Okay. I think you, you also said a key word here that I wanted to touch on. You mentioned assignments, okay? Whenever we talk about schooling, training, there's going to be assignments, there's going to be 
homework, things that you got to do, and it's not necessarily bad. It's homework, people man. Wanna, people want to know about it because they also want to know how much time they're going to have to invest if they were to sign up for the AWA. So, sure. How, how does the how do the assignments and homework work when in your class classes? There's no way around it. If you want to become a better writer, you got to do the work. There's no avoiding that. And classes only meet once a month. And and the reason we did that was that first of all, it made the pay structure work for for our side of things. But but second of all, because if we had classes once a week and busted this out in two and a half months, like you'd feel like you had a full-time schedule as far as the work we're asking you to do. So I think what we're asking from people is about 10 hours a month, something like that. Um, that's about the time commitment we're looking for, plus the four-hour class itself. So uh, obviously doing that once a week is a lot for a lot of people. So we, we only meet once a month. So you, the, the good news is you have a lot of time to do this. But we do assign a lot of readings. We do assign a lot of uh, uh, writings. Uh, there's usually there's something like one reading assignment, one writing assignment, a journaling assignment, and then one miscellaneous assignment that might fall into those three. So there's like four assignments a week, I think, is what we're we're committed to to giving the students. You know, all that's fodder for stuff that might get read aloud in class or discussed in class or whatever. Usually you read something, we want you to write a page of, you know, just journaling your thoughts, what you're getting out of it. Uh, journaling is another big part of the program. We feel like uh, we want you to learn on the page through writing. It kills a lot of birds with one stone. For the most part, it sounds like you are doing genre work. So, hey, this is, in my opinion, that's the that's the best thing. All right, you no, know, everybody likes some science fiction and fantasy. But on the other hand, also, this is if somebody's signing up for this, this is probably something that they they're invested in. They want to do they're passionate about because it sounds like i'm reading through you have it's obviously you've already mentioned it's maggie is with you as well teaching these classes but i mean you've got a whole host of teachers guest lecturers sure. on your site that people can go see so i'm i mean you've got passionate passionate teachers feeding into passionate students i'm sure it, it, it must mean a great environment then it's awesome uh a lot of our students one of the best things you could have as a writer, in my opinion, one of the things that helped me when I was first getting started was having having someone on my team, having a, a, a peer who was at about the same level I was also trying to learn how to do this. In my case, it was my good buddy, Ryan Brooks, who I had been, that's, that's been my Star Wars nerd buddy since, you know, we were like 14. So uh, me and him both uh, were working on a fan website at the time, Fandom Comics, where we produced uh, D20 Star Wars fan content. For years, we did that. Uh, we did the Clone Wars fan source book for D20, like 500 pages of fan I'm going to go find that now. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you can. I don't I don't think we still have the site up anymore. It went down in like 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. But the Wayback Machines got you somewhere, right? So those are all over the place somewhere. Uh, I love doing it. I learned a lot about writing just doing that with him. But iron sharpens iron. So having one peer that you could trade and grade with that you trust um, and that could give you good feedback, not just about what's bad, but what's good. Uh, that's invaluable. And for a lot of people, it's hard to find someone that is just as uh, passionate and dedicated and serious about breaking in uh, just among your, your peer group as it exists. So if nothing else, AWA gives you a chance to interact with other people that are on your level and, and share the same amount of, of, of passion for, for breaking in. And, and a lot of our students uh, still, even though, you know, their, their class is graduated and done, uh, uh, use it as, as a way of having a community. And down the road, you know, these people get work somewhere. And, and now you, you know somebody for a long time who's, you know, a developer, you know, at this company or that company. So community and networking is another thing that we do talk about. Uh, quite a bit in the program. It's very important to getting work, uh, like how to attack conventions and stuff like that. So uh, we, we try to be real pragmatic with the program. In addition to our hand-holdy kumbaya hippie circles uh, to help you improve your writing, uh, we try to mix in a lot of pragmatic approaches to like, but here's how you actually find work in this industry. Yeah, that was something that um, 
I really appreciated on your site. You actually talk about that as well, not only just writing great content, but also actually getting that content in somebody's face. So it does sound like you do teach. It's one of the things it says that you do teach is professionalism in the community. So it's super important. Yeah. You talk, so there's all these different aspects to it then, but so how does the class break down then? Is this one topic each? It's 10 weeks, right? It's 10 weeks of our structured classes. And the 11th week is our guest lecture from uh, Jay Little. And do each of these weeks then have their own topic? Uh, There's definitely a theme built around every single class. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, but then again, like in the arts, like everything's also related. So you're going to get like a little bit of everything every week, but, but it'll all be within the context of like, here's what we're talking about this week. Like this, or this month, I should use months, not weeks because it's a a months long program. But uh, uh, so like, it might be this month we're talking about character or this month we're talking about plot structure or, you know, this month we're talking about, uh, uh, what would be dialogue or, or action on the page or, uh, you know, uh, vivid uh, imagery. You know, th- there's all these different sort of like sort of big picture topics we'll talk about. But, uh, uh, you know, writing, again, is one of those things you learn by doing. And, and AWA isn't big on uh, lecturing other than that final Jay Little course. It's real big on doing. Uh, when you take an AWA class and you're spending four freaking hours in class, you're going to spend a lot of that time reading out loud. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time listening to other people read out loud. You're going to spend a lot of time writing in class and then reading the garbage first draft that you just wrote and everyone else is going to be garbage too. So it's fine. But uh, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to be doing a lot of the things in class and we're going to be talking about them in class. And, th- and that's, that's how you're going to learn because you're, we're forcing you to do it. Like you're there, you're trapped for four hours and and you're going to produce. Uh, one of the the early posts that inspired me to do AWA is when I was talking about how nice it is uh, after getting my degree that, um, you know, you get a lot of these people who complain about writer's block or, uh, you know, being in a, unable to get stuff on the page. And uh, um, since graduating, I had never had that problem. I don't believe in writer's block as a real thing anymore. I can sit down at any moment and just begin producing, uh, which is great. A lot of people don't feel they have that. And I feel like the story workshop method, just, it breaks that down. We do almost, it's like a, uh, like a guided meditation before you start writing. So there's, there's this lengthy pre-writing experience that you get in class to prepare you. And then it's like, okay, it's time. Let's go start writing now. And 10 minutes later, we're all going to read it out loud and you'll be surprised. Uh, uh, Maggie is taught, hundreds if not if not thousands of uh story workshop sessions and she says she has never had anyone blank ever in the history of the program uh on generating content after doing uh, uh sort of pre-writing rituals so it's it definitely sounds like you have a very interactive interactive classroom environment and one of the things i want to make sure that uh, i don't know if i we even actually said this this is all online Right. It's Skype. I did mention the class takes place on Skype. Okay. So yeah, you don't have to show up to a physical classroom. This is all online. All of your homework assignments are going to be completed through like email and stuff like that. But once a month, we have our four hour Skype session. And uh, um, that's sort of like where you touch base with everyone. We get to find out how the writing's going for you. We'll, we'll talk about strategies if you're struggling to find time or, you know, there's there's a whole list of like typical excuses uh, for, you know, dogs eating homework and stuff like that. But, uh, I can believe it. (laughs) The, so the, the one thing that you have to talk about when you're talking about these things is price. Sure. So, I mean, it's, you're offering, you're offering a whole lot. I mean, this is, you've got professionals, this is a classroom, you're, you're learning how to be a better writer. Um, so kind of tell people, um, what does it look like as far as pricing and how this works? So um, you're getting 40 uh, hours of our AWA classroom instruction, story workshop, and you're getting a four-hour seminar, plus all the homework and the feedback and all these other benefits that we've talked about. Uh, for that, we charge you $99 a month for 12 months, and, and you know you get 11 sessions, plus we send you some books for the, the class. 
uh, that's included. So you, you get that for 99 a month for 12 months, or I think we you could save a few bucks if you pay it all up front, uh, $1,099, and, and you get the whole shebang. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, it. That, that's it. Yeah, I mean, from a if you if you look at even just going and taking a college class, I mean, this is this is a this is a, in my opinion, this is a very this is a very good deal, especially for somebody who really really wants to take their writing to the next level. Yeah, I I think like the sweet spot recruit that we're looking for is uh, you're an adult, you got your degree already, or or a successful career doing something. You're not really interested in going back to college, right? Because you're already a IT manager or a, you know construction worker or whatever it is you might do. You're you're already sort of a an established professional, but you always wanted to try. You always thought like, oh man, I wish if I could just get my name in one book as a writer, like that would be a dream mm-hmm. fulfilled for me. Um, I feel like those people are our bread and butter because they don't want to. They're not going to spend six figures. They don't have the time or the money to to go back to college for for this for for which I'll be honest with you uh writing rpg books is never going to cover the six figure tab that like a lot of people ran up in college it's just not yeah. uh, i get paid something like 500 to 1500 a job i could do like if i do nothing but work my whole life i could do maybe eight or nine jobs a month usually and that's if they're offered to me usually it's more like four to six yeah. uh so clearly that doesn't pay all my bills. That's another reason why we have an AWA, right? Yes. Because I got bills to pay too. Got to hustle. Uh, <laughs> got to have, have a side hustle right. in this industry. So, uh, and this is mine. But uh, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like it's almost not worth it. If if this if that's exclusively all you want to do is write your D&D adventure or your Star Wars module or, or you know, work on some professional RPG product because you have a real passion and love for RPGs, don't please don't spend a hundred thousand dollars on a college degree. It's you're never going to make your money back on that. It's a bad investment that way. Uh, so, but you will make a thousand dollars back, $1,200 back, you know, whatever, whatever you're paying us, mm-hmm. you, you do two jobs and you'll be neutral. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that I think, I think that way we're very reasonably priced, even yeah. though people hear a thousand dollars in bulk a little bit, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things, um, especially, I mean, there's a whole conversation now, but this is, I mean, the one thing that we've got to, I can't stress enough. I mean, what you're offering, it's not a, it's not a gaming experience. This is a, pro- this is professional development. Right. It, I mean, it's a class yeah. and, and when you compare it to other, maybe private professional training or uh, uh, academic programs, I, I think we're priced uh, very reasonably. So Yes, especially for I mean just the the networking alone. I mean that's something that you cannot discount. And I think we you mentioned it, and we could have a whole another side conversation why writers don't get paid enough in the RPG community. But that's never here nor there. Yeah, that's that's outside the the powers of <laughs> exactly uh, AWA to fix. Uh, one thing I didn't mention those classes are exceptionally small. Okay, so uh, you're only going to have some like five to ten students per course. So, so when we talk about bringing in these special guests, you're getting the opportunity for a lot of like one-on-one Q and A time with them. And, uh, uh, even, even, you know, you're going to have Jay Little, this guy who's designed like billion dollar games yeah, and he's going to be there talking to like you and five or 10 other people. And, you know, you can raise your hand, ask a question, whatever you want. So, uh, you are getting quite a bit for, for that money when you, when you look at it in that context. Yeah, I mean that's 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 awesome. So one of the other things is when is your next your ne- correct me if I'm wrong, but your next round of classes it's going to be beginning very shortly. Yes, so we do have uh, a few openings left in the uh, uh, the session that begins at the end of January. Here, the first class is January twenty seventh, twenty fifth. In fact, let me just look at the calendar to make sure I'm not. Yes, so uh, the first class starts on the twenty fifth. Uh, you could definitely muddle through the first class without the materials we need to send you. So as long as you're registered before the 25th, uh, so the 24th would be like the absolute last second deadline. Uh, we could totally fold you in. That takes place uh, uh, Friday evenings. The proper information on the site, I want to say it's like 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern time, uh, the last Friday of every month. So so that class you could still get into. Otherwise, we're starting a Saturday afternoon group in April, and you're welcome to register for that. 
Um, the website does have a, a registration form that needs to have the date updated. But if you just click on the pre-register for classes button, it'll send all of your information to me. I will put it in our database and we will contact you either right away because if you want the January class or down the road as April comes near. Okay, so you've got then you'll have you'll, you'll have basically there'll be two classes running simultaneously, kind of offset a little bit. Right, offset by about three months, and and there's some advantages to that. If uh, um, if in in advance you know you have some sort of emergency or, or, or something that you just can't avoid, and you're going to miss a course, perhaps uh, there's an opportunity to maybe make it up in another session uh, if we stagger them like that. But uh, uh, Otherwise, it's just it's easier to fill them if we if we offset it a little bit. Okay, uh, that makes well from a logistical standpoint, it sounds like you got that going for you. So, as we start to wrap up, one of the things that I definitely want to ask you as well is, with it sounds like you're extremely busy. You're you're <laughs> writing, you're running a you're running a writer's school. Um, what are you playing right now as far as RPGs go? Do you have the time? No. Um, so what I, my, the thing I play the most more than anything since 2013 is IGM one shot adventures at conventions, because that's what the company makes me do. So IGM a lot. I haven't played in, I don't know when, uh, and obviously most of what I run is stuff I've worked on. So I run a lot of star Wars, some Genesis, and I'm, uh, uh, learning more and more about all five hours. The days go on. To, to prepare for Gen Con, where I'm sure I'll be running uh, some of that there as well. If you go to conventions, we need to have you come down to a catacon, our little convention that, that we run. I love little conventions. Yeah. Uh, I get I get to feel so much more important at them. But uh... <laughs> That's the one where I, I told you, I kind of mentioned it to you. That was So we run um, a small convention, a catacon, as part of the RPG Academy. And we had, that was, so Katrina was there running some Legends of the Five Rings. And sure. so that's where I actually got to play it for the first time I was telling you about. Oh, what an experience. Yeah, so yeah. this is, oh man, it was, you say that you're learning it, um, you're writing it. Uh, me, I just heard it. I saw it had cool art. I was like, hey, the designer for this game is going to be here. I'm going to sign up for her game and I'm going to play it. So not knowing anything about it, I sit down with, she's running the game. And then I've got like all of these Legends of the Five Rings podcaster sitting there and she's like, <laughs> okay, so she knew all these people. She's like, all right, so who has played the, the new system or who's played Legends of the Five Rings? Obviously, everybody raised their hand. Who's right. played the fifth edition? And then most of them raised their hand. And then she's like, who's never played? And then I'm like, me? <laughs> so, no, it was a, so it'd be great to have you come down to a catacon. Um, it's in November. Just have you run some, have some, run, you run some cool stuff for us. That'd be fun. I'd love to. Um, one of my favorite conventions of the year that I go to every year is uh, Gamer Nation Con down in Dallas. And that's run by the guys who do Order 66 podcast, which is a Star Wars RPG podcast. Yeah. And it's like a couple hundred people, but like everybody knows everybody, yep. and it's just it's a lot of fun. Plus, you're just in Chicago, right? I'm in Chicago, yeah, and we're in Cincinnati, right. so oh yeah, it's a short not bad. short drive. That's that's eligible for the train, even. Yeah. There you go, take the Amtrak. Um, so before we wrap up, let people know where they can find you, and once again, if there's anything else you want to let them know about the Adventure Writing Academy. Uh, sure. So first of all, you can go to www adventurewritingacademy.com uh, and you can get a whole lot more information about the school there as well as pre-register if you're really interested. Um, uh, so that's that's the main place to find me. If you want to find me personally, um, my social media feeds, if you go to my Twitter, that's mostly just professional stuff. That's at K-R-Kappel, K-A-P-P-E-L. Um, if you'd rather get my my you know, super leftist liberal rants. Uh, you can yes. get that and professional content at facebook.com slash Keith dot Uh So, so that's all available there. That's, that's where I'm usually posting. I have uh, uh, basically just uh, uh, news sort of abrogation stuff going on on the Twitter. Okay. So I, I obviously, if you direct message me on Twitter or something like that, like I'll get it, you know, I get notifications, but 
So all of my Shadow of the Cabal folks, you heard it right here. Go ahead <laughs> on Twitter. Hit them up on all those questions about the city of the rich oh, frog. Oh, if you want to roast me over the rich yes, frog city. they will. Gonna, no, they're that's not. fine. Great people over there. <laughs> so, all right. This has been Show and Tell. We've been talking about the Adventure Writing Academy. Class is, is are about to start soon. You have until January 25th if you want to sign up. And then another class starts in April. April. Find everything about at theadventurewritingacademy.com. We're going to put all this stuff in the show notes. Keith, it has been a pleasure having you tonight. Thanks so much, Tom. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, guys, we are signing off. This has been Tom, and I've been joined by Keith Ryan Capel of Fantasy Flight Games. All right. We will see you all later. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.